everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. Today, we're going to be talking about lawful authority in the home and examining the foundations of the homes we grew up in. Joining us today is Gregory Roberts. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, Virginia. Good uh, last, morning. Hi. <laughs> last week's episode, we talked about attachment and love styles, and Jane Marcheski was gracious enough to weigh in and give us real-life examples of what happens when these love styles are not properly regulated versus when they are reconciled. Virginia, would you like to start us off with today's quote? I'd love to. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourself. I think last week's topic was comprehensive Mm -hmm. in explaining to us how we love. Right. The greatest commandment is love God, love yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can love others well. Mm -hmm. And it all sounds easy. Yeah. But somehow it becomes really muddy in the course of life. And I think Jane did a great job unwrapping some of those dimensions for us. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to invite Gregory here today. Gregory, thank you again for joining me today. Because Gregory is a very unusual client Mm -hmm. for me. Because I ended up meeting you here on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. Or on a Sunday, was it? Because it was your only day off. It was a Sunday. It was a Sunday. And I just came to play. I had... (laughs) I did. I came to play and I knew since I don't work on Sundays Mm -hmm. that this had to be, this was important and it must be special. So I came, rolled up my sleeves and I'll never forget getting my paper out and grabbing my pen and saying, okay, let me have it. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, let me have it. And immediately you spoke with such honesty and vulnerability, and integrity, that I remember it just almost moved me to tears because yours is the voice of a generation. And during the course of the last several years, Gregory, your demographic has disproportionately shown up in my office Mm -hmm. to say, something's not right, I need help. And the second comment that comes out of their mouth is, do you think you would be able to help my family? as well. And it was the heart and the love and the sensitivity that you had towards your family that touched my heart. I've been married almost 40 years and I have six children. One passed away four months before he was born. And I understand the complexities of both being a mom and I'm one of three, four children. So the complexities of being a sibling too. And everything that comes with life. And I think everyone listening to us understands that life is sloppy. Love is sloppy. And when we have a desire to reconcile these stories, these narratives, right? We talked about last week, some we inherited and they're, they manifest in our DNA. And other narratives are the stories we tell ourselves. But whenever I find someone, which is not unusual, that comes in and says, I want to get to the root cause of this. But when it's a a 27-year-old 
boy. You're still a boy. I'm old. I can say you're a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but when I find a 27-year-old boy with such a tender heart, every one of you guys that walks through my door, I see my kids in you. And I see my 70 and 80 and 90-year-old patients and clients in you. And so I was especially touched by your story. And I'd like you to tell everyone a little bit about how you love, why you love the way you do, and how what you learned about love from your family of origin. Because at the end of the day, we learn how to love from our primary spheres of influence. And I might add, these stories we carry into time. And I'm going to break that down a lot more later on, but we touched on it, I think, didn't we, We Natalie? Yes. Yeah, last week. Mm -hmm. So I'd like you to tell me a little bit about what brought you here. Well, first off, thank you again for having me. The the point about, there's been so many stages in uh, how I love, because how I love today is definitely not how how I loved as a teenager or how I understood love, absolutely. But my I would say my family dynamic was rather chaotic. When you say chaotic, you're talking about relating to the attachment styles. Your parents were immigrants, right? No, my uh, my grand my grandparent uh, my grandmother wasn't was immigrant. Okay. So what I mean by chaotic is that it was it didn't become apparent to me till later on that communication the communication was uh, uh, it wasn't handled properly. I would say there was a lot of fighting that it wasn't handled in the best uh, loving nurturing way. It was it was more it conflict. Was dis- conflict. It mm-hmm. was dysfunctional. It wasn't there. Were, there wasn't there wasn't point to some arguments besides that just needing to fight. There was a lot of frustration behind the fighting. So your attachment style tended to be more chaotic. Your attachment style. So you operated more as a controller, and when it's not controlling, right? You are there's a compliance. You are compliant to minimize the pressure the stress at home a pleaser yeah so mm-hmm. I, I would say definitely a, for a pleaser it was uh it's i would say i learned to this through observation to try to minimize conflict through pleasing definitely pleasing others to keep peace at home or to minimize stress for what my understood uh, for my understanding of peace absolutely yeah it was trying to maintain peace was it maybe to control or modify the behavior hopefully of the parents or the siblings or everything or to just function and cope. It was more just function and cope. It was just to maintain. So I would say when it, maintaining peace, what it meant was that what there was no no arguments. You know, there was no disagreement. Like avoiding, it was, it was more avoiding conflict type of peace than it was to actually have unity in uh, in the relationships in the family. Yeah, peacekeeping versus peacemaking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great. What brought you to us? Tell us a little bit of your story. Okay, so a little bit of my story. Where to start? I I would say one of the things going quickly going back to why you saw that I picked up so easily is because I had already been searching, and I think that I came to this understanding at a, at a younger age than many do that I'm not going to get the answers from people that I thought I would. Or I'm not going to be taught certain things, and I was just uh, generally wandering. My background is I I moved around a lot. I never had any sort of stability in home or friends or school. The longest I ever spent in a school going from 
you know, obviously pre-K to, to uh, end of high school uh, was two years. Wow. So, yeah. So I was constantly moving and sometimes it was in the same state. Sometimes it was in other states and it was just going from school to school, different moving, different friends, different regions. And it's sometimes because I've, I've lived in many different states from California to Connecticut, Vermont, Arizona, like I lived all over. So it wasn't like it was just down the block and I could just go see my friends whenever I wanted. We were uh, time zones away. That would generate a little bit of chaos. Oh yeah, just a little bit of chaos because going constantly moving. There, there's no, there's no structure. You're in boxes. You're out of boxes. You're in boxes again. Um, the instability of not ha- understanding foundation. And I would say, I would even go as far as to say a safe place because you're constantly moving. You never get too familiar with the place to feel safe there. And then after a while, you just learn not to because you're anticipating another move. You're anticipating change again. So you never let you, and you, you don't allow yourself to get comfortable in those situations or those places. So how did your parents handle that? Because the primary sphere of influence is the home. Right. And every sphere of influence we've discussed before has a structure of authority. Mm-hmm. So we're discussing the home today. So the primary sphere of governance is the home mm-hmm. where we experience government, right? Lawful authority and power at work. So with all this move, all this moving, it was unstable. Government was unstable. They were stressed. You were stressed. Oh yeah. There was, there was tons of stress and that because of that. It's hard to establish patterns and systems. When the I guess pattern is, is constantly saying. changing. And I mean, I mean, your body craves a uh, pattern and routine. And when that is constantly disturbed, even just on a, on a simple level, you're, you know, you don't, you don't feel right and it affects your soul. It affects your body, affects your mind. So I would say that. Well, the body can't function without systems, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It operates on systems. Mm-hmm. It, it craves it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was chaotic. And I think that over time there was a lot of distrust between my parents with one another. And if you know, if you, if you know what you're looking at, I think it's, it's, it's very, very clear to see to where one would not trust the other. So my mother didn't trust my father and my father didn't trust my mother to even be able to, I would say even, even go to her. There was pains on both sides and maybe it was before their marriage and it just built up because things weren't addressed or handled properly. But that distrust caused conflict and that conflict and then irritation caused the conflict to not be handled properly. Well, you're making an excellent point. When there isn't trust, you can't establish authority mm-hmm. and power to rule is going to be fragmented. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So the governmental structure of the home becomes fragmented, right? Yeah, because Which is, in, how did that impact your life? I would say a lot, I, a lot more than I even thought it did, because it gave me a distorted view on what marriage should be. It gave me a distorted view on what love should be. It gave me a distorted view on how just relate, just how to handle relationships in general, how to handle conversations with. Uh, people in general conflict. I had to learn that way later on through my own means of searching. And uh, there was a there was there was a few people that I got lucky enough to have in my life that started that foundation for that search. Later on, when I like when I was turned when I turned eighteen and nineteen, when I moved to California. But before that, it was just it was, it was I was lost for sure. Well, I just want to point out that he got his bearings in California. Yeah, and California <laughs> is not all bad. No, California is not all bad. It's an it's, amazing and I, place. I, I, but something about coming to California, you met significant people here. I would say that it was that impacted. If you. I hadn't moved to California, I definitely would have gone on down a different road. That would, I mean, I'm frankly, I probably would have been in jail at some point because of the crowds that I was hanging around during high school. So that drastic, uh, cause I was living in Connecticut at the time. So that drastic difference uh, of 3000 miles literally separated and was that last route up 
that I needed to reroute in the proper foundation to elevate my mind and my spirit to be able to understand what exactly it is that I'm feeling and why and how to further pursue addressing those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Well, how did the confusion and the chaos and let's say lawlessness mm-hmm. in the governance of the home, and you explained it well, that the moves, the, I'm sure there were changes and there was mm-hmm. job change, career change perhaps mm-hmm. that took place. How did that manifest specifically? Give us specifics of yeah, your life. Like your relationship with your parents directly. Like how did that affect you? So the, the, the relationship between my parents, I would say it was, it, it's very interesting because of a lack of trust between my parents. I would say, uh, and, and further, I just want to say off the bat, I, I love my parents to death. But everyone has everyone has dysfunction. Everyone has things, and a lot of times we don't realize uh, what it is we're doing because of pain or fear or whatever it is. I would say that it affected my relationship with my dad a lot, which uh, because and the lack of distrust between my parents, it generated you didn't they didn't trust each other. You didn't trust them. Both. I would say they, they didn't trust each other, which my mother was afraid of having my dad interact with me. So therefore, that cut off a relationship between us. So I didn't really get a lot of a one-on-one time to learn from my father the way I believe I should have. So, and that's, and that's totally fundamental so mom for her. Overmothered? Overmothered, absolutely. And kept you away from dad. Absolutely. Trying to keep me safe. And she, she loves me. She wants to keep me safe. She wants to do what's best for me. But in, the, in that, in, in that loving me so much, it actually caused a drift between my father. And then, I, and then I think that grew into my being angry, which just separated me from my parents just in general, um, because I, I, I definitely craved to have my father's attention. He was in my life the entire time. But, you know, being present and being being present and being like deeply intertwined are two different things. Intimacy. Intimacy. Exactly. Having Having an intimate relationship versus just like, you know, being there is different. Yeah. And as stresses went up with moving around, it definitely didn't help the scenario. How did that manifest behaviorally in your life? How did that impact the choices and the decisions you make you made? And I might add again, these are the stories you recall. Mm -hmm. And this was your perception of many things. Mm -hmm. And it was the reality from which you operated. But if I talk to your parents, I've been doing this so long, they'd be telling me a whole different side of that oh, story. Oh, yeah, the perspective is totally different. The perspective different. is different. But today, I want to hear the perspective of you as a man, the perspective that you walked away with as a man, mm-hmm. because now you're responsible to manage that perspective and to embark on the same pilgrimage they had to when Mm -hmm. they left their home. And so to create a culture of honor, which is the only way we're going to displace the confusion, the chaos and the dis-ease of our time. People like you that come from loving homes, by the way, I might add, you have Mm -hmm. a very loving home, right? Yeah. But people that come from these loving homes, right? Now it's your age of accountability. Now it's your time. It's your turn. So your parents gave you a lot. And even the narratives that you're discussing with me right now, there's a lot of perspective in that. There's a lot of wisdom you gained from that. Because that's what brought you to me. Mm -hmm. You became aware of the confusion and the chaos and the disease in your home. And you're saying, wait a minute. Here I have these amazing humans that have poured into my life. But what was poured in has greatly destabilized me in some ways. Mm -hmm. 
and it's been a great benefit to others. I know your parents are still married and love each other, and they invest in home and life and family and everything, and, and that takes a lot of courage after the history you've described. Mm-hmm. But what I want to know now is, to your credit, at 26 years old, 27, at 27 but at 26, 20, 26 years old, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's been about a year, less than a year, than less than a year. Mm-hmm. Seen, than I, since I've met you, mm-hmm. You said, wait, I need to go see somebody. Something's wrong. What are the things in your own personal life that brought you to that point? We understand that the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in your family Mm -hmm. caused, almost derailed your life forever. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. Uh, What did you do? It drove me to... Because ultimately it was your choices that dro- drove you to those things. It drove me so. to want acceptance because, uh, so I, I never, I never felt confident as a kid and I did, I did, ha- I was bullied a little bit as a kid because I was small and I was skinny and I wasn't, I would say a part of whatever you would consider the popular crowd. And I just wanted, I wanted acceptance. I wanted love, but I also just, I, I was trying to figure out what it meant to be a man or even just a young boy at that point, like what it means, um, and trying to figure that out where it led me, led me to was being abundantly angry, which led me to wanting to be with the tougher crowd to learn how to be tough, to learn how to be strong, which in, led me to all sorts of alcohol and things like that that was just unhealthy, which which fed my rage, which wasn't the proper way to go, absolutely not, to feed that rage, but it just left me angry and I didn't know what to do with it. So I needed some, I, I needed to figure that out and I didn't, I didn't know that that's what was going on at the time, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what I needed. And so it led me to very, very unhealthy decisions. So you that, were looking for that male role model. You were looking for masculinity absolutely, your, to establish masculinity for mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. because I would say I was overmothered by it. And I def- I desperately wanted to see it's funny because I actually really wanted to be like my dad because my dad was in the Navy. He knew um, he was in martial arts since he was 12. And I really, really looked up to him because um, I saw him as this, you know, uh, this big bad guy, you know, this really in a very positive way. Like he was like to me, like he, he was a hero to me. Because I, I saw him as this like indestructible like warrior character, and I was like, I want to be that, you know. There was spots I would say in life where I got maybe a mini lesson in martial arts. There was time to connect, but as I got older, those spots got far and in between. So I really didn't get that development, and that's what I was looking for because I already had that. You're looking for a that male aggression, role yeah, the, in exactly your life. that aggression in my. I would say in my spirit. I didn't know what to do with it, so I channeled it in ways that was very, very unhealthy, and it made me lean towards going places for acceptance. And I think one of the reasons, and I, I was, when I was younger, I, I really, really wanted, I wanted a girlfriend, but I, you know, everyone does. But I think one of the reasons why is because, and this is, this is like ingrained into males just in general, we desire purpose. And I think that's huge is I didn't understand what my purpose was for, for a long time. I didn't understand that purpose. And that was one of the lead desire that I didn't even understand as a kid that I was looking for. I was looking for purpose. I was looking for a place to exist and have meaning in my life, even just as a young kid. Because, you, you know, you, you start to develop these things super young when you start to pick this stuff up. And if you aren't properly taught as a kid or instructed healthy and unhealth or unhealthy ways to go and learn those things, you're left with this open-ended question that any, any answer could fill and you have no context to properly weed out what is healthy and unhealthy. And that's where society really feeds into that. Cause Absolutely. then you go outside of the home. Like if the, the if the home's not giving it mm-hmm. to you, then you're going to go to outside influences that mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be influencing you in that way. And I want to say this is an excellent segment 
that you just went through Mm -hmm. because I think it's the voice of a generation. Oh, absolutely. There's so many distractions for moms, for dads. Society's become so much of a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And just taking care of and supporting a family has become so much more complicated. Mm -hmm. It's become far more complicated. And there's a lot more distraction, but also just like roles have reversed compared to what we've seen like 50 years and past. um, Even in just like the the roles of women have changed, you know, because we have evolved into uh, uh, giving women more and more rights that, you know, there are uh, effects to that. And so now they are also more independent. And a lot of times you see women have a more masculine role because, yeah, and especially we see it with single mothers because they have... To. Do they, you think it's dangerous when women become the men and the men become more effeminate in the home? Absolutely, because it's not, I would say it's not ingrained because if, in terms of just going back to what men and having purpose, having someone to provide for, that gives a man purpose. If you take that purpose away and you're no longer leading your family, that is also part of the purpose. If the woman in the home leads that takes the purpose away from the man and then he's left and can be it, it can it can utterly destroy him and it's not like it's not like an overnight thing but over time because he's left wondering well what what is my purpose we we crave purpose we crave someone to protect and fight for to provide for that's just how we function well physiologically mm-hmm. it's evident mm-hmm. oh absolutely and yeah. physically the constitution, the physical constitution of a man is mm-hmm. not that of a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say... Even, we're transformed through the renewing of your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're absolutely. seeing in this younger and younger generation, we're seeing that men are beginning to look so much more feminine in many mm-hmm. ways. And women are the becoming... Yeah, yeah, we're seeing a change in that because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I think mm-hmm. there's physical consequences to this Absolutely. shift, this yeah. paradigm shift. Real quick, can I add on that? I think Please. it actually causes distrust between the two because women want a man who is going to provide and that can feel safe with. If they don't feel that, then they do um, take on, a, I would say, a more masculine role in authority in the home, which causes distrust and lack of respect for the man. And a man craves respect as well. And if she can't respect a man, one, I mean, one, that's just, it's unhealthy for the relationship well, entirely. Well, the, the commandment is for a man to love, his love and honor love and, and, treasure. Honor his and treasure his mm-hmm. wife. It's a culture, it's the culture of honor mm-hmm. begins with a man. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I can even personally and, speak to that, like in regards to having to step into that that role like that that more masculine role of taking care of and providing and mm-hmm. and things like that and and it does it totally causes distrust it it causes disrespect and it causes a, a lot of resentment because mm-hmm. there's this feeling of I shouldn't be doing this I shouldn't be like this it shouldn't be like this and there's a question of like why why aren't they stepping up why aren't they stepping into that role like I thought that this is how it was supposed to be but me you know coming from a home like where where there is lawful authority there when that's absent it throws you for a loop mm-hmm. it really does when there's not lawful authority when there's not lawful authority mm-hmm. yeah when, and you think the that's on the bottom and the, yeah, yeah. It makes it unstable. On the top yeah totally totally unstable and it really like when i say resentment i'm talking like there would there mm-hmm. is serious resentment and not just from like the woman that has to step into that masculine role but from the man too mm-hmm. the man creates resentment for the woman because he almost feels like oh well if she's doing it then then what am I supposed, like what you said, like then what am I supposed to do? Well, it's, 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 it's what am I supposed to do? And it's, it, 
it, you can feel you can feel it. You don't have to say it, but you can feel disrespect from a look. Yeah. So there's looks, there's passive aggressive mm. um, walks and looks and even words, you know, you can say. And so the man will feel that disrespect and men, men want respect. We want respect from other men. We want respect from women. We, we, we desire men, respect. Men, yes. But that's, and that's why the second part of like um, men and love and honor your wives, wives respect your husbands. Yes. Submit. Under under one mission with your husband. By the way, submission is a natural consequence of honor. Mm -hmm. When a man honors his wife and cherishes her, Mm -hmm. she intuitively and naturally comes under his authority. Mm -hmm. When a mother and a father honor their children. It's easy for the children to look up to them. To them and Mm -hmm. submit and to come under their authority. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to miss the reality Mm-hmm. That all the incredible importance of those relationships that mm-hmm. are cultivated in the home are not without this spiritual attack all the time. They're mm-hmm. always being oh, undermined. Always. Yeah. Always. always. There's almost like it's so easy to be bad. Oh, it's and so to easy to do the bad, bad things. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to do good. It's even and attractive. Do the good things. Well, it's because Doing the it, bad things it, can it, be attractive. So because, parents have, I just want to just finish in saying that parents have this tension too. Oh, absolutely. And darkness doesn't come overtly. It creeps in. Yeah. And that's it's, exactly it's how small the compromises. Works. Yeah. Exactly. And I think it's the battle that um, wages right within us mm-hmm. as individuals. Mm-hmm. I think that last segment represents the voice of a generation. Because confusion, chaos, and disease in the home is rampant. Mm-hmm. And much of the disintegration of honor that we're seeing in our primary spheres of influence, in our relationships, in our workplaces, mm-hmm. in the medical discourse, frankly, in the political discourse, in the economic discourse, so in every facet of society, ultimately is caused by what's happening in the homes because the home is the primary sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. Everything that's happening in the church and in the state, those are the only three divine institutions, mm-hmm. the family, our institutions of faith and the state mm-hmm. hieroglyphics. Since the beginning of time, we see these very well documented. They're primary spheres of influence, but the root of what's happening, for example, in civil government, is the fruit of what's happening in the government in our homes. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're all looking take- at the craziness all around us. Mm-hmm. And that's why rest exists. Invite yeah. people to say, hold on a second. Let's step into, step into this place of rest and reconcile the conflict within ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can have this working understanding that there's something bigger than us happening. Mm-hmm. We can love that, which is God, who's sovereign over all things, mm-hmm. right? So that we can regulate what's happening within ourselves, grow into a deeper understanding of who God is. Mm -hmm. Every honest intellectual will tell you, Mm -hmm. right? Hence intelligent design that's, this didn't just happen. Mm -hmm. And then we can love others. Right. So this pilgrimage of discovery that you're on, it's bigger than saying, hey, my family was messed up and I came from a terrible home 
And my life was a mess and I almost got into gangs and by the grace of God, I didn't. It's so much bigger than that. And I think I want you to address your personal pilgrimage and reconciling the conflict within yourself, ultimately ending in my office recently, right? So in in order to take that pilgrimage, this is why we're talking about the dynamic of the home is because I had to address a lot of things from my childhood in order to be able to properly understand what's going on in me and then address those to heal and learn to love myself and move past those. Because if I can't identify what's causing, like if, for instance, if your arm is swelling and you try to address it just as an arm swell without trying to figure out why it's swelling, you could you could be addressing it the wrong way or it can never properly be addressed. Yeah, you're addressing the symptom versus going to the root cause. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. and, and that's part of this pilgrimage is going back and understanding why I was, what, like, why I was so angry, why I was looking for purpose, why I was doing this, why I had trouble trusting, why root I had cause. trouble committing. Yeah, yeah the root, root cause. cause. You're you know, examining the foundation of your mm-hmm. life. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And which is central to our whole matrix. But exactly. it's interesting to hear you say that. This morning I was getting ready to come meet you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, my hair looks awful. <laughs> My skin, I'm getting that under control with these products, <laughs> wonderful things I'm using, but my hair looks awful. And I heard this quiet, still voice, right? That's the external mm-hmm. result, mm-hmm. Of some internal things going on. And it occurred to me for the last three months, mm-hmm. I've been dealing with some very serious work mm-hmm. cases, and I've been absorbed in my work, yeah. and I've totally neglected taking my vitamins, my minerals. Mm-hmm. And all these things that we're Self-care. not getting in our food like we used to. Oh, right? yeah. We're not farming anymore. We're not, our, our food's very processed. That's a whole and other I realize, conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm, but I'm saying it's the same thing. Yeah. It's like the root cause. So what if I go buy the best products in the world? It's not going to fix my hair. Exactly. Because the problem is coming from within. Mm-hmm. And anyway, just reminded me of that little analogy while I was getting ready. Yeah, you had to get to the root cause. Mm-hmm. And Again, I want to reiterate, it's bigger than your parents. Mm -hmm. Because I love, because you just said, I had to address how I processed the experiences in my childhood. Yeah. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Because it isn't just what was done to you or the confusion and chaos Mm -hmm. in the life of your parents. Mm -hmm. Here's the key it's how you processed them. Because your brothers, your sisters, they processed them differently than you. Oh, 100%. 100%. And so there's where personal responsibility comes in. That's why our rest matrix becomes so important in facilitating healing because it's about individuals in a family system mm-hmm. understanding that the complexities of how they perceive their experiences are far more complicated than what their parents did or didn't do, what they said, said or didn't say. Does that make sense? Also, their whether their actions match match their words. Right. You know, for an example, like if you say, "Oh, you know, I I love your dad" or something like that, but then you're constantly hitting him, or vice versa. You're like, "Oh, you say like, you know, I love your mother," and then you're hitting your wife in front of your kids. There's this conflict of, well, you said this, but now you're doing this. So does this actually mean what I think it means? Let's stop right there. This is very important. Mm-hmm. So who's the conflict between your mom and dad, or is it between your dad and your dad, and your mom and your mom? Because the conflict they individually have is within themselves. It's within Uh themselves, yeah. And then it compounds with the conflict they have with each other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Compounding in the conflict now that you have 
watching the conflict they individually have, mm-hmm. the conflict they have together. And now it compounds mm-hmm. threefold yeah. in you. Yeah. And there, I think, is the anatomy of our descent. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we see unlawful authority in the home. So we see li- we see distrust, to your point. Mm-hmm. We see lies. We see confusion. We see that people are violating their conscience. Mm-hmm. The Bible calls it sin. Sin is a violation of conscience. And mm-hmm. then what do we see? They each cover, they hide, and they blame. And there's a yeah. lot of shame. And there's a lot shame. of shame. And by the way, that's the constitution that we share as humans. That mm-hmm. became our constitution after the fall. Yeah. Is this propensity to cover, hide, and shame. And it comes as a result of unlawful authority in the home. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We're going to be putting a whole segment on this where I'm explaining this with a PowerPoint. Because when we understand the descent, the decline, and how we, forget mom, forget dad, forget home for a minute, how we find ourselves, where we find ourselves, then we know how to get out. I want to go right into where this took you in life. Alcohol. You said you mm. almost ended up in jail. Tell us. What I said I, I. That's probably where I would have ended up because that's kind of the the crowd I was I was around. Like I started, I obviously I started smoking weed and drinking more and just being around a crowd that I never. I, it's weird. I never really felt like I fit in, but I felt accepted. So I, there, and I think it was because there was a lot of conflict with some morals that I had learned when I was really young. That was my actions were conflicting with those morals, and that causes the conflict with yourself. So it led me that direction. And then when I was eighteen, I graduated high school. Literally, like three days after, like during the whole graduation period, I was packing to move to California. I was out here for a few months, and then through that, I met I met this uh, I met this man Daniel. He was a really really good friend of mine for for many years, and still is. And we always have great conversations. He he was he was I would say a big foundation that led me to being the man that I am today because he helped me structuralize my thoughts and be. Uh, and this was a huge part of learning. This was being able to go from your thoughts to your to your mouth and express it and verbalize it in an appropriate way, not just coming out necessarily screaming. But being able to properly say what you're feeling, which in turn led me on this search of trying to understand and think, think deeper reason than through. just in reason. Exactly. He, he helped me think with trying to reason what's going on. And over time, it just led me on this journey of into the Bible, into God, into the spiritual realm and into the energies that we have in our body. And it's interesting hearing you say that because what I'm hearing is the power that transformed thoughts have in changing the condition of our heart Mm -hmm. that in turn begins to dictate an entire different desire to behave differently. Completely. And those things, that transaction is a function of the soul. And the brain then has to adapt to that because it's getting different messages from the soul. Mm -hmm. So it's the thought life of a man, the will of a man that ultimately has the capacity to change the trajectory of their lives. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with you. So be transformed through the renewing of your thoughts. And, and that's exactly, and, right? And it's a function of the soul, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not the brain, not the central nervous system. So it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. like having this massive mm-hmm. flood in your home. You're not going to start cleaning up the floors without first identifying where the leak is. Yeah, We have a major leak in the soul of this nation, Mm -hmm. and we must start in the primary spheres of influence. Mm -hmm. And the reason we must start in these primary spheres of influence 
is because that is where we learn how to love and it cultivates the life of the heart. Mm -hmm. It establishes how we love. And the reason that becomes so important because the internal source of government for each individual in that home is the life of their soul, the transactions that happens in their innermost beings, which is that last segment you just spoke to me about, how ultimately coming to California was that decision that changed the entire course of your life mm -hmm. because it was a man that came alongside of you and began to shepherd your heart and really teach you how to think and behave like a man. And I would say take responsibility for as well. How we take responsibility as a man. If a man has authority mm -hmm. and he's got a lot of power, mm -hmm. physiologically, we don't have to defend that point. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lot of power <laughs> and he has authority in the home. And a place of authority requires responsibility. We're going to pick up this conversation in the next segment. Gregory, thank you so much. I know these are not easy discussions to have. Mm -hmm. And to pour out your heart for the world to see and hear your own pilgrimage yeah. and respect and honor your mom and your dad and your family. These aren't, these are difficult things to do, but I want to thank you. I think you did a fine job. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for having me. So for some tangible takeaways, just for our listeners, uh, we do recommend books by Shanti Felden for women only, for men only, and love and respect. In our next episode, we'll be talking about women have power and men have authority. For updates about rest and this podcast, visit our Instagram at the place of rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support us and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate. We look forward to speaking again, meeting again, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you.